Good day, everybody. I'm Troy Hudkins. This is Lessons for Life podcast, and I have a guest with me here today, Rose Sprinkle. Rose, thanks for joining me. Sure. Happy to be here. That's awesome. Um, you've been busy the last little while? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm with, really busy, yes. <laughs> with all your things. And you just recently got married, so that keeps mm -hmm. things busy as well. So let me start my first question. Who is Rose Sprinkle? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> and I hate talking about myself. So, oh, it's a good question. Cause I, I think I always usually struggle with that question myself. I feel like I've been 87 women already in my lifetime and I'm only in my thirties. So, um, but I will say that when I wrote my book, that little love is based on my own experience. And I think that um, that's what drove me to write the story was trying to make sense of a period of my life that was really, really stressful and really, really difficult and some major life challenges. And um, I think writing down my story as if I was observing myself versus experiencing it firsthand is what helped me give myself the grace and the compassion to overcome those trials and actually relate to a lot of people who feel the same way when they're going through, you know, when they're going through life. So um, I would say that I'm a very emotional <laughs> person. I am a deep thinker. I'm very sensitive. Um, but I'm always trying to find the positive. I'm always trying to push myself um, through things that I don't understand and trying to look at it from a different perspective. Nice. Awesome. So you've written one book and it's already been out there and published. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is amazing. Do you know what kind of numbers you have for sales? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it was more about just, I think, a therapeutic, like I'm just going to get the book out. And because I knew that it was a story that everyone can relate to. And I feel like they needed it just as much as I needed it. Right. And so I think that's why I love the book so much is it becomes a platform to really learn about other people and to help them feel vulnerable enough to know that they're not alone in their struggles. And it helps me feel better because um, it's a, it's almost like a way of serving and giving them permission to say, you know, this is really hard and I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I don't, right. I don't know. And so um, I don't know the numbers. <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> well, I do know that we have your book and it's autographed and I love that. <laughs> yes. I always love autographing books <laughs> and giving a personal touch, you know, yeah. super cute. well, we've, We've all my family has your book and it's it's actually been read multiple times with my kids and their kids. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um when you were growing up, what kind of influence do you think your parents had on you and who you have become? That's a good question. I think growing up my relationship with my parents um i love them very much but i wasn't sure how to relate to them and i think that i felt very 
um, there was a lot of estrangement. Like I wasn't sure how I fit into the family because I felt like I was an odd duck. Like I always wanted to be achieving. I always wanted to, I always had these big dreams of things that I wanted to accomplish. And um, my parents are very realistic and grounded people. And I think that has actually helped probably make me a, a very more well-rounded person. I think if I wasn't raised by my parents, I would be doing like grandiose, like I wouldn't be able to relate to people. I think I would just be chasing these unrealistic, crazy dreams. Like chasing the dreams. Yeah, I would be like constantly moving. And I think as I've gotten older, we've kind of have really um, built a bridge and we really have started to understand a lot, a lot, each other a lot more. And like now we probably have the best relationship we ever have. And I've actually realized that I'm just like my dad. Like we were just talking about this yesterday. I said, I'm just like you, dad. And because um, we probably butted the heads the most when I was growing up because he's very strong-willed. I'm very, very strong-willed. Um, but we're both extremely hard on ourselves. And so yeah. now I just have compassion for this little old man, you know, and we're kind of best buds now. But I think awesome. that there's, their hard work and their work ethic and um, their ability to just always I think your internet cut out for a minute. Um, oh. their, their hard work and will yeah, their hard work and their um, ability to always kind of see the the light at the end of the tunnel. They've okay. they've always been very diligent people that I knew that I could depend on. Right, and they're nice. proving even in their seventies. So nice. I need Your some parents aren't that old. I know it's is it seventies? Right, 70s? it's crazy. It's been a long time. Yeah, I've been. But, I mean, we we lived down there for quite a while where you are and now we're back up in Canada, but I, I can't believe it's so long when I talk to people from down there and, you know, or talk to them, yeah. talk about them and, and think about the things we did. I mean, we moved down there in 2001, that's 20 years ago. I know. Right. Like it's, it seems like yesterday, but it's, been a long time it's amazing and I mean we've been back here for 10 years and seeing you now and talking to you is amazing I mean it's I know it's awesome it, I really learned it is a small world and like that people will always come back into your life and um, I'm a big believer in preserving those relationships and and continuing them in all at all times and all different types of seasons nice. and so it is exciting Okay, so one of my questions later on refers to that. So how important to you is it to have strong, positive relationships with friends, family, people, coworkers? Yeah. How important is that to you? For me, it's like air. I have to have, I have to have it. I have, like, there's no give, no leeway. I have to have good, positive relationships to feel my best self, to feel edified, to feel myself grow as a person, to feel like I'm needed and that I have a purpose. I have to have loving relationships. 
Nice. Um, so for me, it's everything. It's what motivates me. It's what brings out the best in me. It's what makes me feel happy and peaceful and content. And I think without that, when I start to get stressed, and I think I kind of allude to this in the book, because um, there's a part where a little love, like she starts chasing beauty and she starts chasing fame and she starts chasing kind of like achievement. And when I feel like I'm unraveling or I'm spiraling, I tend to load on more. I, I try to supplement human relationships with projects and I will just keep my mind as busy as I can on something to engage it so I don't have to think about how painful it is for me with a stranger. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so people are always like, Rose, you're doing so much. And I go, yeah, and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> That's not healthy. And so we all have our ways of coping. And I've learned that I may not be a drug addict or I may not be an alcoholic, but I am an overachiever. And that is just as um, addictive. So like some people call retail therapy. Yeah. They go exactly. shopping, they buy stuff, keeps their mind off of what's going on. Yeah. And so for me, I have to continually force myself to slow down. And I mean, like something as simple as like, I need to take a shower and I need to brush my teeth because my self-care is always what I suffer the most. And so I have to, I have to be better about balancing that always. Yeah. How do you deal with people that come into your life that are um, negative or, uh, I guess a, a poor influence when they're around or something like, how do you deal with, with that kind of stuff? That's a good question. Like what, what, what do you do? Like if, if, if somebody, if you're, say you're at work, I don't know where you work, but say you're at work in an office and, and you got three or four coworkers and for the most part, everybody's always great. But one day somebody comes in there and they're so down and so negative and stuff. What do you do to either help yourself or help them? What, what, what's your fix, I guess, for that? Really good question. Um, that's something that I'm still figuring out. And I've, I've learned how to work with myself when I get in those moods, but working with someone else is completely different because you're, we naturally think that they think like we do and that they're going to problem solve like we do. And like, I'm just learning that that's just not the case. They're not me. I don't know what they're going through. Everybody's not like Rose. Everybody's not like me, which <laughs> what? Right. Yeah. Pardon? It's <laughs> not you know. Um, and I think my natural inclination is to go into fix it mode always because that's right. what I do. I'm a do doer. I look at a problem. I say, okay, what's going to be helpful? What should I do? I break it down into 500 steps in my mind and I put it all down. And that's how I achieve everything that I achieve. I've become a master productivist person. But nice. when you're dealing with someone who hasn't mastered that or hasn't figured out how to push through their own stuff, I've learned that I can't force them. They have to do it themselves. And the only thing I can do is just be supportive and encourage them. And that's it. 
And for me, that feels very scary because I want to be able to take control and just go with the pace that I'm used to, which is like a rocket pace, right? <laughs> yep. And in my mind, it's not that fast because I'm like, well, I'm still a very laid back person. I mean, anyone can come and chat with me and I'll make the time and I'm happy to do that. But I am so used to how I live my life that realizing that other people can't go at my pace and they need space is something that I have to honor their boundaries. And I think I just need to say right. with me, like, I can do this for you, but I can't do this. And so I think maybe honoring what they need and expressing what I need is what I have to do. And sometimes I don't do either or both very well. <laughs> I'm not a very patient person. And um, that's my biggest, one of my biggest weaknesses for sure. Well, you've always been patient when I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> you would. Along. <laughs> right? Right. You're I mean, you're asking. Maybe like if you're getting along with someone, there's no need to be patient because you're just jiving and it's like, woo, it feels great. When you're with someone that you're like, holy yeah. crap, I can't even get behind this. And you're just feeling like all you want to do is punch them in the face. You can't be, you're not patient. You know, you're not going to feel right. You're going to be kind of grunting and white knuckling it for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's, let's go back to your family for a bit you have siblings mm -hmm. what kind of influence did they have on you or did you have on them what do you think um about that dynamic i guess oh man these are troy you're making me dig deep these are really good questions well, like uh this this is supposed to make you think <laughs> yeah, this is family relational stuff. This is big, this is real kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting. So I, yeah, I'm the second youngest of five kids. And we were spaced pretty far apart, like I think five years in between my youngest sister and then my older brother above me. And so half my life, I was kind of like a younger child raised by the older kids. And then the second half of my life, I was like the older child. So I've had a bit of both. And um, I think when I was younger, because of the age differences, it was very much like, what the heck? <laughs> like, we're kind of living separate lives and all of my siblings have very different personalities. So my okay. dynamic with my siblings is we're all very blunt. Like, we don't sugarcoat anything. We call each other out on stuff. We tease a lot, but we have a really fun time doing it. And as we've become adults, you know, like, we've actually have probably gotten closer. There's still some tensions because I think when you're dealing with different personalities and different ways of how they view your family growing up, we have different opinions about things. But I think ultimately we still really care about each other. And for my role in the family, I would say that I'm always a very outgoing, love to be around my family, love to spend time with them um, kind of person. And um, <laughs> we definitely have some like negative Nancy's in my family <laughs> or Debbie Downers is what we call them. I was a little, um, they have grown quite a bit and that ended up helping me out, you know, now in my life. So everything comes full circle is what I'm learning. Nice. And you, 
you do you think you were a good influence on your younger sibling? I think so. I mean, I think that I've always tried my best. And um, I think that when I have been wrong and when I have kind of lost my way, she has been very quick and loving to correct me. And so I think that we have both been a good influence on each other and we've worked through some things and we are probably closer now because of those, because of those differences. Nice. Nice. Right on. Um, is there anybody outside of your family that do you think has had a huge impact on who you've become? Well, I think I'm talking to one of those people. <laughs> I think that. I would so, say, I would say more my wife than me. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I live, for all the people listening, I live with Troy and his family. Well, not live with, but basically I was living there. Uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Today for like two years or something. When and, we'd come home and hear the TV on and know somebody was home and we'd go down and there's no kids and we'd say like, uh, Rose, where's, where's the kids? He said, oh, I don't know. Nobody's, nobody's home. <laughs> like yeah. oh okay. You you were part of the family for sure. Anyways, carry on. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, I think during those years with my family, things were very strange, strange and kind of difficult. I think people like you and Nancy and people with just big hearts and you know welcoming arms just kind of helped give me the love that I needed and the confidence that I needed to be able to like move forward. And so for me, that's something that I've always heavily has relied on in my life is my friendships and people who are teaching me things of different ways to handle things, different ways to think about things. And I have a very innate curiosity about how people work and about how people make the decisions that they do or they, how they relate to life. And so having examples like you and Nancy have just been like, you know, very influential in helping me do that. So awesome. you, can never, you can never express or really let people know how much they mean to you. You know, like even if you've said it a million times, there's just no way because it would show all the gratitude you have. And I've never forgotten those years. Never forgotten you too. You've always been in my thoughts, and I think that's how I feel about people who have influenced me. There's always going to be a loyalty and a kinship there for me. Nice. Well, I appreciate that because honestly, I never felt or knew that we were that big of an influence on you, and that's awesome to know. Thank you very much. And I'll tell Nancy too <laughs> because that is awesome. That is very awesome. Um, of all the good traits that your parents have taught you or that they have, what is something that you would like to pass on to younger generations? That's a really good question. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that I always try to define my actions and my thoughts is how I treat people. Like, nice. I don't ever want someone to come into my home and feel like they're not welcome there. Nice. And I, I think we've kind of gotten into this culture where people are so self-obsessed. And not like I don't struggle with this, because I've talked about this. I struggle with this with my achievements, right? 
that's a self-obsessive thing where I'm just thinking about myself constantly about what I want to do, what I want to do. And I just think that um, I wish that people would develop a sense of gratitude and, and wonder about the world outside themselves and how they're affecting that world versus what the world can do for them. And right. so if anything with my kids, like there will not be talking back Okay, this is my dream world. I'm not a parent yet, so here we go. <laughs> You'd be like, hey. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. But I think just whatever differences I have with my children. You locked up really good this time. And that they're cared about. And I think that we just need that in a world now more than ever. Yeah, you locked up really good. We only cut the last bit of that. Oh, but that might, that might be a good thing for your kids in the future. <laughs> you can tell them this part where it blocked out, that's all the bad things I said. <laughs> this is what I said. Mm, no. <laughs> Um, how important is education in your life? And do you think, which, sorry, which, which one do you think carries more importance, classroom or life lessons? Um, I think they're both important. And I think they're important for different reasons. I personally am of the believer that um, you can learn anything and you don't need to go to formal training to do it. For some, for most things, right? As in, but, um, you know, I, I think that the value of classroom training is that you're forced to learn in a different way and you're forced to kind of collaborate with other people and you're forced to deal with things that you don't want to deal with. And that's kind of what life is. It's like, right. I do not excel in a classroom setting. My excel is I want to learn something on my own time. I want to take an online course. I want to be out in nature. And I think there's different ways of learning for that very reason. But I am grateful that I still had classroom training because it forced me to develop social skills. It forced me to learn all the soft skills and all these other things that I probably take for granted. So, but I definitely think that I err on the side of, I get frustrated when people say something like, well, I didn't go to school for that. I didn't get a degree in that. I didn't, well, shoot, I didn't go, I didn't get an English degree. I didn't, you know, it's just, I get sad when people come up with, justifications for popping out of doing something and I can just see it so plainly like don't let that self-limiting belief stop you just do it because excuses. it really is yeah. excuses and it's understandable but it's really just a matter of like pushing through like I think success and achievement isn't based on talent I think it's just based on like practice and work ethic drive and, and desire drive and desire and pushing through the, the parts where you want to give up because it's really easy to get discouraged and I get discouraged. You know, it's easy to see like something on the shelf and be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But if you think about it, I don't get to see a lot of that interaction. I don't get to see like the effect that the book has when it's being read at night to a child all the time. Right. You know, I don't get to see that. I know that it's happening, but unless I'm hearing that feedback, I don't know. And so right. 
it can be a very lonely road when you're trying to push for your goals because you don't always see the impact that it's having. Just like you said with you and Nancy, you're like, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have So it's, for me, it's just a mathematical, you know, I got to throw so many free throws every day if I want to get good at something. Right. And if I'm doing the work, then of course I'm not going to get what I want. So there's no, there's no other, that's the truth. I, I can't argue truth. I can't argue logic. Right. Like, you can't, you can't dream it and sit back and put your feet up and turn the remote control. Yeah. And I think that's maybe where I struggle the most is because I try really hard. And if, and if I still can't achieve something when I've tried really hard, that's when I take it back because I'm like, I put in the work, I put in the sacrifice. And if that's not paying off, then I have a really hard time offering myself that grace. Like it, it's okay. You don't have right. to. You don't Let's have try to. something different. Let's try something different. And yeah. so you just constantly have to do problem solving and you have to be okay with problem solving and you have to be okay with looking at your reality and saying you have problems. Right. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So with all your learnings in life so far, how do you know when you know? Whew, Troy. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, how do you know when you know? I think that there's always, it's always healthy to have some kind of level of introspection to question your own reasoning and your own logic. And for me, aligning your values to what you believe is right. And if I've done everything that I know is aligned with those values of, am I doing everything that's right? And then still questioning that, still, is there more I can do? Is there something different I need to be doing? Do I really, I think truly people are always trying to do their best at any given time. I think sometimes that it falls short. I, I think that no matter your intentions, I think that no matter how good you mean it or how badly you want something, sometimes it's still just not enough because that's the nature of being human and that's the nature of working through challenges. For me, sometimes I don't know when to quit. I want to keep going always. Right. So I think my natural inclination is I have to be honest about what role is my role and what role are things that I can control. And am I okay with not trying to change the things that I can control? Right. And if I'm not okay with that, then I think that's when you know. Nice. If I you, what I just said, but that's my train of thought. <laughs> if you, uh, if you can't control things, and you know that, and you realize that, you can control how you deal with those things. Yes. You right. How you deal with those things, and that is something that cannot be problem solved in the way that you do when you're looking at a project. Right. 
That's a package. <laughs> Go ahead. It's just a package. Nope, you're okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. I think it's I tend to blame myself but I think, I think I tend to blame myself with just stepping outside and saying you know is this something I can I can do is this something that I can see as an opportunity for me to still grow maybe just not in the ways that I thought that I would yeah yeah I always every time I ask people and they they talk kind of the way you did about controlling your actions but not other either other people's actions or the way the way different things present themselves when you can't control it I always think about Cassidy playing hockey because one of his coaches Cassidy would come on the bench and and be a little upset because so and so passed the puck ahead of me or behind me never passes it to me or whatever and the coach said to him one day he says you know you can't control what they do but you can control what you do so when they pass it to you and you know what's going ahead of you you take an extra stride or if you know what's going behind you slow down or cut a little wider to to receive the pass and it kind of changed the way Cassidy started thinking about it and like you said, you can't control those situations, you know, and when you know that you can't control them, when you realize that, that's when you know. And, yeah. you know, like, like I said, when you, when you can't control those situations, you can control how you deal with them. Yeah. Or, or how you react to them. Right. Yeah. So that's a big thing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was just reading um, this book called, like, Killing Patton, and they were talking about um, Bastogne and how there were these foot soldiers in the trenches that were, like, holding this front line for, like, five or six days waiting for this battalion to come save them, and I just thought about, like, what that would feel like every day, being like, I have no control half my men are gone and I'm just in this foxhole and I'm thinking how did they not desert how did they not just leave how did they not just run right. for it how did they find the fortitude to just stay and I think that is when you strip away leaves you and are pleasant it's easy to be motivated when things are pleasant it's easy to be motivated when things are easy it's easy to be motivated when you feel like things are good and they're serving you. But that, I think, is the difference between just pure integrity and selflessness versus what's in it for me. And I think that my natural tendency is to always think, what's the benefit of this for me? What am I getting out of it? And how does this benefit me? And I'm basing that on their behavior versus my own, versus what can I right. do? What can I do to make this a better situation? What can I do? And I'm really honestly feel like I'm just starting to understand that just now. Like this last week, I've been thinking about that a lot. And that's a much harder thing for me to just take all the blame off of somebody else and say, I'm responsible. Pass <laughs> yep. responsible for that puck, even though he got a crappy pass. Right, right. 
so yeah. you've yeah yeah and you've got to just to make the best of it right yeah and then make the best of it and and i and i think still not sacrifice what you want at the same time right right and that is a very courageous place i think to function from nice so with a little bit of chat about hockey there um has sports ever played a role in your life yeah i um love volleyball i could play volleyball all day every day and never be bored and i think a lot of it is because i am a very collaborative person and volleyball to me is a very collaborative sport everyone has nice. their roles and you need everybody on that team to be functioning in those roles in order for you guys to win and play well and so um I miss it. I haven't played in like so long, but I, I think that that's what I love about it. It's just a fun, competitive, we want to do our best. Let's work together to make it happen and see what we come up with. Because I've learned that it is so much better when you have other people on your team. Nice. So tell me collaborative. Um, tell me what being on a team or in a, team environment has taught you um it's taught me that everybody has a purpose and um it's also taught me that like you're not supposed to be good at everything that's why you have a team and it's taught me that if you delegate and you respect people and you basically hold them accountable and say and acknowledge them for their strengths that they're going to perform for you without you having to push them nice like it, acknowledgement goes a long way and trusting somebody with something to get it done you don't need to motivate them they'll do it for you they'll do it intrinsically because they feel that trust and that respect and you don't need to push people so for me if ever i'm working on a team dynamic i'm always asking you know like is this something you're interested in working on is do you feel comfortable doing that how do you feel about this i'm always asking what do you think how do you feel about it and so they all have equal buy-in so there's no contention it's just like yeah i'll take right. that i'll this cool and um that's really what you have to do is just recognize people's strengths and give them stuff that meets to their strengths not their weaknesses and and things that they're excited to do yeah things that they're excited yeah. to do and that way when the work comes up that is really crappy that nobody wants to do like you have a good rapport so like you're willing to chip in even if you're not excited about it you're like all right but i'm helping out my buddy so like let's do it you know kind of a thing and um, I've just learned that like that nature of thinking about your coworker first really pays off in the end. Even when you try to get promoted or you're trying to excel yourself, they'll back you up versus like trying to fight right. you for it. You know, right. they'll be like, oh, like, I'm okay with that. So right. that's, that's kind of what I've learned. Nice. What has been your biggest motivator, do you think, so far? Me. <laughs> you're your biggest critic too right i am i am my biggest critic and i'm also i also just continually try to just talk to myself and push myself but for me it's it really is the people around me it's it's my friends it's my it's people i admire it's um his it's lessons from history in the past it's it's just constantly wanting to be a good person. And 
relationship with God. And I think understanding how he wants to use me and understanding, um, I'm waiting because this is my internet connection stable. Um, understanding how he wants me to grow as a person and kind of accepting his vision versus my own sometimes. And that gives me the strength and the motivation to keep going. Nice, nice. What would be your biggest fear, do you think? Oh, I know my biggest fear. I literally, I've just been learning about this, but I've learned that my biggest fear is not feeling like my needs can be met. That's my biggest fear. Okay. My biggest fear is being too much or wanting too much and that being a bad thing. My fear is that I'm lonely because I want so many things that other people don't necessarily care about. Right. And it can be very alienating. And so I've, I've kind of learned to be my own advocate, which I think is why I'm such an advocate for other people is because I want to be that cheerleader for them. Like you can do it. But I think my fear is that I have to do it at the expense of like, because no one else will. Right. And right. What inspired you to choose the career that you are in? <laughs> um, I changed my major a lot in college and I was kind of always like generally good at a lot of things, but I couldn't figure out how to apply that day to day. I like having structure just as much as I like having spontaneity and I have to have both. And I took a digital media class because my friend thought, you know, Rose, I think you'll really like it. And it was the first time where I felt like I could take all of my skill sets and actually apply it day to day and come up with something tangible. And so um, for me, it's about constantly perfecting my technical skills um, constantly like leveling up and learning new things, but then still being able to um, give a product or something tangible that people love. So whether that's like photography and graphic design, marketing, all those things, I just like being able to wear many hats and design and um, books kind of allow you to wear different hats. And so I like to switch it up a lot. Nice. So, it, and that's what you work in right now is, is digital media yeah so right now so I work speak. At, yeah I work at Amazon full-time and I'm, I work in a video studio and I'm doing like motion graphics and things like that and nice. online education. I like teaching I like lecturing I like getting on my soapbox so yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't like talking <laughs> I think it's because it helps me process my thoughts right right when that's that's one of the things I used to um, so the couple of people that I've asked the question to, do you, how do you know when you know? And they didn't even know how to answer it. They were kind of, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like if you can teach it to somebody else, then you know, right? Oh, like, like you're saying, if, if you like to teach people, you like to be able to talk to people and you like to process your thoughts that way well if you can if you can process that out and somebody else can take it and know what you're saying that's when you know right 
Yeah. And really that's what little love is, right? Like I have all of these thoughts and I'm trying to succinct it down into something that people understand so easily. And like little love, it's not that long. It's very short. It's actually a poem, you know, version rhyming. And so for me, as we're interviewing, this is me thinking live time. This is all the creative thinking that is just kind of blown up on paper. I just like chalk it down. I have to empty my brain. There's so many thoughts in there. And then I'm able to strategically look at it and simplify it. But when we're talking live time, I will just ramble and ramble and ramble because it makes me feel good to have answers and to complete thoughts, but I can't just think about it and then do it. It's, you know, I'm I'm always impressed with people who can very succinctly express themselves very clearly that skill and I need to... <laughs> nice you locked up there just for a second so I, I didn't catch everything but I think we got the gist of it yeah um so let's go back to little love for a while so little love is the name of your book right mm-hmm. so tell me let's start with your book how did you come up with the idea and how did you find somebody to illustrate it for you? And and what, um, you kind of explained it earlier about the story, but, but tell me about Little Love and what it is all the way to the end, kind of. Yes, so I actually had the name different at the very beginning. I had it Little Faith. And I realized as I was writing the story that that was completely wrong. Um, And I think again, because this is written from my perspective, it's about this girl, she has a hole in her heart, a a physical literal hole in her heart. And she's trying to figure out how to fill it and how to make herself happy. And I don't think just happy, but I think find fulfillment. I think that's different. She's trying to be content. And I think that's what I always struggle with the most. And so she goes on this journey She meets these different characters. She meets fame first. And um, she kind of gets really successful and has lots of like, you know, fans. But then she realizes that she's, that's still not feeling herself. Then she meets beauty and same kind of thing. She tries like changing her hair, putting on makeup. And she realizes that that's not really fixing this hole that she has. And so in the end of the book, she meets a version of herself that's complete and is whole And she realizes that in order to fill herself, she needs to give, she needs to serve people. She needs to think less about herself and more about others. And she needs to be, you know, seeking wisdom and seeking truth and seeking principles and not seeking um, things of the world that don't give us lasting happiness. So this is my ultimate struggle and I think I changed the name from Little Faith, Little Love because I realized that this isn't a faith issue. This is about, this isn't, (laughs) it's like that, if anything, can tell you how hard I am on myself. Like, oh, she doesn't have enough faith. She doesn't believe enough. And I'm realizing that's not the issue. It's, she's not loving herself. She's not really taking herself not for granted um, because she can do all those things, but that doesn't really matter, right? Right. Doesn't matter. So that's what the book is about. And, um, there's two on the way, little brave and little, um, envy. 
and I'm very excited about those two as well. Nice. Do I get uh, autographed copies again? Yes. <laughs> I, I wanted them to be done by Christmas, but it's looking more like spring, like April. Yeah. And they'll probably be released at the same time. Oh, okay. Little awesome. Brave is about a knight, and I resonate with this story a lot too. Little Brave is a knight who figures out what real courage is, and Little Envy is a mermaid who um, realizes that you don't need to chase other people's dreams. Right. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. When did you first know that you were going to write a children's book? So, in high school. Okay. <laughs> I um, always have, I kind of believe that when you put a thought or a motivation in your heart out into the world, that eventually it will happen. And so I knew that I had a desire from high school to write a children's book, but it didn't happen until, you know, whenever I wrote the book, like two years ago, I had a dream and I woke up from that dream and um, I just had these thoughts just come into my mind. It was just like, I wrote the story probably in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It just, nice. and I, I keep a pen and paper usually by my bedside so that when I feel inspired, I can write down these thoughts. Right. So I, it just flew out of me. And I think it was just a story that was being built over the last couple of years subconsciously and a lesson that I was learning. Um, and probably one that I always need to constantly be relearning. Re um, but it was just easy to tell because it was my own story. So nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And you only physically wrote it two years ago, a couple of years ago. So up until this point, were you, was it always in the back of your mind? Was it always something you kept thinking about do you have it on a dream board like what do you what inspired you to all of a sudden write it two years ago um i think it was just time i think that writing for me i'm learning is becoming a very um cathartic experience to kind of see all my thoughts on paper and to challenge them or to see my way of thinking it wasn't like I just was like, I'm going to write a children's book. And like, I'm just going to write a children's book and like pick a topic. <laughs> right. And there's nothing right. wrong. With that. There's tons of people. I mean, yeah, of course, that's awesome. Pick a topic and go write a book. But right. this whole didn't come about that way. And usually mine do. But I think I just always had the desire. And then I saw the opportunity. And it, when I, I'm an opportunist. So when I see an opportunity, I recognize it immediately. Right. And I am like, I knew that this had the potential to affect a lot of people and i knew that it was um i knew it was something special and yes. i think i just developed a sense for that but in addition yes i always have like a vision board for the year every nice. year i sit down and i think what's the priority this year or what should be my priority and that's probably a good thing for me to practice because like I said, I'm all over the place, um, but it really helps me figure out what my goals are and what I want to be focusing on. But nice. um, if someone's out there who's like, I want to write a children's book, like that's my goal, then just make it happen. Nice. Nancy always has, and I'm sure you know from when we were down there, she always has a theme for the year. And 
like she doesn't have a uh, a New Year's resolution. It's a New Year's theme. Yeah. And like one year it's service, or one year it's uh, um, better better family life, or you know, work harder on you know um, achieving your goals. Like just different things, right? Each year, one year it was all about let's get our finances in order. And, you know, one year she's really been struggling with some of her health issues since we've been back here. Mm -hmm. So one year it was, her theme was this girl is on fire, the Alicia Keys song. Right. Awesome. And, and that was her motivation for the year. So it's, she always has a, 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 a theme, yeah. you know, so kind of like, you know, it's, it's just, it's neat, the vision board, the themes, that kind of thing. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like an inner, it's like an inner guidance, I think. Because like we've seen 2020 has been terrible, right? Like there's just been so much. But I think that when you've grounded yourself in what you know that you're focused on and you've grounded yourself in what you know you can attribute or want, um, it changes it changes everything. It changes your life. It changes how you show up. It changes how you function. It changes how you treat people. It changes how you react to things that are happening because all, it doesn't matter. It's like my theme would have been the same no matter if 2020 has happened or not. Right. And so because I'm focused, I'm not distracted by all of the chaos. It's just, it doesn't matter. But I mean, right. like it, it comes to a point where it just, it really doesn't matter. And um, sometimes I think that can be more helpful than, than a lot of other tactics that people use. But. Right. If you could do or be anything at all without any possibility of failure, what would it be? I, I think the deepest desire that I have is to really just... Um, I don't, know how, I don't know how to put it in a word. It's just what I picture in my mind is just really empathizing with people. Okay. I, I mean, like, I think it's just a matter of being able to connect, not necessarily just through joy, but also through pain. And I think, like, in my mind, the people that I admire the most, the people that I look up to the most aren't like me in that sense. Like, they think about others all the time. There are people in like the healthcare field. There are people who are own well-being and sacrificing their time and their effort, sanity, and so many other things to continuously give. And I just respect that a lot. And I think that if I could be anything great, it would be to be another that way, or it would be to be an influence to my community in that way. Just someone nice. who's to constantly support and to bring people together rather than tear them down. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. What do you do in your spare time to take your mind off things? <laughs> I used to think that my projects were me taking my mind off things and I'm realizing that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> like let's do my Amazon job and then work again until midnight and that's me taking my mind off things. It's not. So for me... <laughs> I'm learning that um, 
I need to connect with nature. I need to be taking a walk or writing in my journal or calling a friend. Those are usually the three things that I do every time. Nice. You, I love your property, by the way. (laughs) Nancy showed me pictures. You got, you got the nice yard, you got the lake there and stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's a big blessing. I, I'm not one of those people where I care about my material things. I, I really, I mean, I, it's more about like, I just want freedom and I want right. to be able to share it with people. So I'm always like, come over because I don't care, you know, that it, whatever. Right. It's not about status. It's about just like, I want to be able to be in a beautiful place that I can look out the window and be grateful for every day. And like, like sitting right here. Exactly. Like sitting right there. And I realized, yeah. And I'm not always, I'm guilty of not always appreciating even the house that I live in or the property because I've noticed that everything gets stagnant. Even the things that you've wanted get stagnant. Yeah. And so we took a vacation just recently at the Leavenworth and I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like a breath of fresh air, even though I live in this beautiful property. And I thought, what the heck, why is that? And it's because it's easy to take things for granted. Yeah. 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 That's Nancy and I, we talk a lot about the Silverdale waterfront because that was our favorite place to go just to go and sit, you know, sit on that bench, that one right there and (laughs) just look out over the water, you know, sit there for an hour or whatever, and then go home, you know, but just like, like I said, I love your property, not necessarily that it's anything fancy or anything like that. Just, just the fact that it's a nice little property in the woods on the lake. I mean, that to me is amazing to yeah. be able to go out on the deck and sit there with your feet up and just look at the water and listen to the wind blow through the trees like that to me is totally relaxing. You yeah. Know? Ever since we've lived down in Bremerton, we've come home or home to Canada. <laughs> Nancy has a, wave machine we put on at night and it's the ocean waves just the sound of the ocean and it's just so amazing so it's it's nature yeah it really is about just the simple small things it like that's it it's if you want happiness it's about content in the tiniest moments like like you said like a breeze or feeling the sunshine on me or going down and looking, you know, at the ducks. It's not these like grandiose moments. It's the quiet moments that I absolutely love the most. Yep. Sound of a crackling fire. I mean, it's just, and yeah, I love that you're putting on a CD. Like you don't have to be in this environment to still invite that in. Oh, we, we love that. That's one of our favorite things. Turn on the ocean waves. It's just amazing. It is amazing. It's so relaxing. I think it's because it helps gives perspective. I think it because it helps pull you out of the daily grind. Yeah. Like, it continues to live on and it continues to exist and it's a blessing and it's something that really is meant for us to enjoy. It's it's our place of peace, I think we could say. Yeah. You know? I mean we lived out in it for thousands of years before we started building houses like the ones that we do now you know what I mean so I think right. our I think our nature and our souls naturally are drawn to it yeah yeah do you 
do any sort of meditation or yoga or anything like that to quiet your mind and help your uh, inner healing, your your self-healing, I guess you would say? That's a good question. I have gone in the better habit of doing like, um, not hot yoga, because that's really intense and I admire people who do that, but I'll do like warm yoga um, where it's just deep stretching. And I very few times feel like my mind will slow down. Nice. And I realize that it's directly connected to my physical experience. So I think that's me why I enjoy people so much is because when I enjoy someone, when I truly enjoy someone's company, I immediately relax. And I get that same sensation doing yoga, meditating. Um, and for me, unfortunately, tanning. I, <laughs> it is, I don't want skin cancer, but I have realized that there is something about being in a tanning bed that just relaxes me in a way that I have not experienced anywhere else. Right. Uh, I think it's just that warm sensation and being able to just be cocooned. So I love it. Close out the outside world. Yeah. Close out the outside right. world. Close out my mind, you know, yep. put it on rest for a little bit, but yep. everyone has their, your strength can also be kind of like your thorn in your side, right? Like I love yep. being, creative. I love being curious and it also exhausts the crap out of me. So, right. Yeah. Yep. It's sometimes, you, sometimes you just have to step back and take a rest. Right on. Is there anything in your life that you wish you could go back and change? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, okay, so... so. I, I mean, I, I think that it's as a catch-22 because there's always things you wish you would change, but it's not so much the events, it's more just how I handled myself. Okay. It's kind of like knowing what you know now you wish you knew then. Right. And um, I, I do believe that like all of the trials you go through will ultimately be for your gain in the end. Um, I've gotten to where I am not because of my successes. I've gotten to where I am because of all of my failures. Right. And I think looking at failure in that lens where this is going to be good for me if I allow it to be, um, suddenly I don't feel so victimized all the time. And um, that's something that I think we can all use for our benefit. Right. So, yeah, I don't really regret all the pain that I've been through, but I definitely think that I wish I had myself better. And I wish I right. could take that pain that I caused people. Right. So, so then looking at it, if you could go back and change things, would you? I don't think, I don't think that's the point of it okay good call good answer because those experiences have made you who you are today yeah exactly right and, and if you change something are you who you are today or are you somebody totally different and i have had opportunities um where people have you know, said this is really hurtful to me or And I immediately am grateful for the opportunity to be able to apologize and make retribution. And I think that that's really important. Um, it's important. Nice. You know, it's important to forgive, important to be forgiven. Nice. 
and you're a very kind person. I know that. And uh, you're, you are very blunt, just like you said, with your family and siblings. And I, I feel like I'm the same way. You know, I say things the way they are and stuff and hope that I don't offend too many people by saying them that way. And if I do offend people, I try to, you know, try to make it right with them or whatever. But, you know, you're, you're a very kind person and you're loving and caring with people. And I think that is a big benefit to you and all the people around you. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think I need to be blunt sometimes. I think I, I can, I can lean on the passive aggressive if I let things sit and I can <laughs> say, Hey, you're crappy and not be afraid to say that, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. What would you say has made the biggest difference in how successful you have become? I, I mean, I think that um, people define success in different ways. And I don't really look at my life and think, oh my gosh, I'm so successful. It's kind of an interesting question because I wouldn't say like, I'm so successful. I think it's just more of, Am I living my life the way that I want to live my life? I've always been kind of like a beat my drum, my own drum kind of person. Just not everyone's perception of things is going to match with what I, what I think is best. And at the same time, it's just still learning that there's value in, in what they're saying as well. So for me, success is more about am I happy? Am I happy? And I think that's a question that I've had to ask myself a lot more versus like, you know, is this going to be the next big thing? You know, right. It's about my family. It's about friends. It's about doing work that matters to me. It's about making a difference. It's about those things. And if those core things are threatened, um, that's when I feel like I'm not being successful. You know? Nice. Nice. And that's a good definition of success for you right yeah your yeah. family your friends your the thing your core values yeah That's awesome. I wish you know that I was better at being consistent and I'm not I'm not a very consistent person and I wish that I was more consistent and I struggle with that all the time and so for me like if I want to be better at my life I have to be consistent. And so for me right now, I don't feel like I'm doing really well at that. And I, I think that I've been more successful at it at other times in my life because then I know that I can output things like really love and not be stressed. I mean, there's been, there was a time where I was working almost like 50 hours a day and I didn't feel an ounce of tiredness because I was taking so good care of myself and I felt energized and right. I missed that energy. I don't have it right now. And it's not because I can't have it. It's because I'm not living my life in a way that will facilitate it. So right. this is a pep talk for real to be like, you need to go back on the band. Right. What one thing in your past do you think has given you your greatest life lesson? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think going through grief I think through losing a loved one has been my greatest life lesson. Okay. I think knowing how precious and 
and short life is. I think knowing how um, much of an impact we have on people around us, on the world, on nature. I think being conscious of what's important and what's not and fighting like hell to keep those things that are important to you close. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That is awesome. What's the greatest piece of advice do you think that has ever been given to you? I think the greatest piece of my advice that's ever been given to me has maybe the idea, I can't think of like a saying, but um, is to make sure that your, your source of truth is a righteous source of truth. And to be continually drawing on that. Nice. Awesome. What is your idea of perfect happiness? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this already anyways. (laughs) But everybody else doesn't. So. I think perfect happiness is just being around those you love. And them loving you back. Nice. That is awesome. That is very awesome. Tell me three words that you think best describe you. Um, I would say, oh, this is hard. I feel like it would be easier if you said it. Um, <laughs> I would say um, optimistic, realistic and motivated. Nice. That describes you very well. <laughs> I guess, does it? it? It does. It does. I know you, so I, I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> so picture yourself. I've, I've s- related this question a couple different ways, and I think I'll relate this one. Picture yourself in a room, okay? And there's a door there. Describe, describe your door to me. Like what it looks like? Yeah, describe your door. Oh my gosh. Well, that's an, I just, I mean, I just pictured a door, but I guess if I'm in a room and there's a door, I think my door would be just like beaming with light. I think it would just be like a glorified entryway, just full of warmth and light and maybe a stairway up to heaven. <laughs> that would be my door. Nice. <laughs> going upward. But yeah, that would be my door. Okay. So now the, open your door and tell me what's on the other side. I think, I think it's just pure love. I, I don't know how to explain that. I think it's just glory in whatever way you would define that. Like I kind of almost picture like a white, just bright, pure hope, pure hope. That's what it would awesome. be. Awesome. Awesome. Maybe that's your next book, Little Hope. There is some, there are some things that I know I, I definitely have a little faith Good. and a little hope would be a good, good. more ambition. So I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
your 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 little book library yeah that's i awesome. do i know i think for me one of the biggest motivations of writing it was just the the picture of being able to read these to my kids i think that's a very tender and very personal image in my mind but being able to see them learn what's important and learn that they can control themselves you know and how nice. they look at them. nice nancy a couple of years ago nancy made um books for all our grandkids with their names you send it away and they they make a story out of your name it's called the the girl who lost her name or the boy who lost his name and throughout the book, the story, they go and they find certain animals or whatever that give them a letter to their name and it spells their name by the end. And the last, probably the last week or so, Mackenzie's daughter has been asking for that one for her bedtime story. Oh. So it's kind of cool because she told us last night when we were visiting with her that she says, guess what story I'm reading, Maha? So she's reading that one every night. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, so, I think they're precious because they don't have any ulterior motives, you know? No. They just do love. That's it. And it's real. It's real all the way. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's yeah. so cool. I think it's so cool when you're, you do have kids and you'll be able to read them your stories. I think that will be amazing. That'll be a great experience. If you had a magic wand and you could do one thing for you, what would it be? Oh, I think it would be to never have to work ever again. <laughs> Rose, you know you would never stop being busy. <laughs> you may stop working, but you'll never stop being busy. I think it. I think it's. I always feel like I never have enough time because there's so much that I want to do. Right. It's like, I just wish I had like an infinite amount of time and energy to do all the things that I wanted to do without the distraction of like a realistic income. Because right. my, like I watched my dad work like two jobs in my life and I'm always trying to outsmart. How can I just get money without having to do a lot? Right. <laughs> so I can have the time to work on these way more important things that really make a difference versus is just like money coming in, you know? Exactly. So for me, that's a challenge because like, you know, I got married way later, I'm 33, 34. And I've always had to provide for myself. And so my natural instinct is to always be thinking about how do I bring an income? How do I bring an income? Yeah. And then I wish that my brain would just shut off. So that would be my answer. Nice. If you could write a letter to your younger self, what age would it be and what kind of advice would you give? Oh, that's a good one. I think I would probably write maybe my like, maybe like my 16, 15 year old self. Like about that time where you're kind of getting out of preteen adolescence and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And I think I just would have told her that like, she's going to do amazing things 
and just to just to be patient and just to be patient with yourself. Nice. Awesome. If you could have lunch and a chat with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, man. All my best friends. That's it. I can read books about dead people. I'll talk to them when I die. But, you know, it would just be my best friends. Always. Nice. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, I do have some kind of like draw to Scandinavian countries. Like I love the idea of um, Switzerland or like Norway or something. There's a, it's something about their values that I really just jive with. So that might be an interesting place. But my other answer would be someplace hot because that is going to be freezing. And um, <laughs> maybe like Arizona would be nice. Just heat. <laughs> nice. That's that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What is your go-to music for making yourself feel good? <laughs> uh, chill. So, like, I really like Araboralis, um, Mumford and Sons, anything that's very, like, just relaxing. Jazz music, um, lots of classical music. Basically anything that's going to make me feel good and happy. So, that kind nice. of stuff. Okay, so that being said, if you were stranded on a desert island and the device you had could only play one song over and over and over and over and it would never stop, what song would it be? Three Little Birds from Bob Marley. <laughs> that was Bob, easy for you. The little thing is going to be all right. That's why I look at it over and over again. Nice. Nice. That is awesome. Okay, so final question. If Rose Sprinkle has learned everything in her life that she's ever wanted to learn and she's done everything and accomplished everything she's ever wanted to, and when you pass on from this life, you take everything with you. Nobody knows who Rose Sprinkle is when you go, but you can leave behind three lessons for life. What would they be? It would be... Don't worry about the things that don't matter. Nice. It would be, um, they're not more important than anything else, but you still are important. We, we lost you there totally. And, um, oh, it would be that you're not more important than anyone else, but you are still important. Okay. You know, like, give but don't put yourself down and i think the other thing would be that um god is good he's always good awesome. that would be the thing. awesome that's awesome great interview i enjoyed talking with you rose it's great yeah. to connect again i know and, it's a great uh, yeah i love the idea of your books i think it's great and Anybody that's out there, look up the books. Can they find them online? Yeah, if you go to um, thelittlevirtues.com or if you look on Amazon and type in like Rose, it's under my maiden name, Rose Stanick, Little Love, it should pop up. Nice. Uh, yeah, The Little Virtues. That's amazing. So everybody out there, 
look up Rose's books and uh, support her as a, a budding novelist, <laughs> as a budding children's book writer. <laughs> it'll be a novel one day. You'll put them all together and okay. it'll be a big novel yeah. of mini stories. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rose. It's been a pleasure. And uh, everybody out there, thanks for watching. This has been Lessons for Life podcast. I'm Troy Hutkins and my guest, Rose Sprinkle. And uh, join us next time for another episode. Thank you. Thanks, Troy. Bye. Bye.